Traders Point, how are we doing? Good. Hey, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors around here. And to everyone at the campuses and watching online, welcome. So glad that you're with us today. And just so you know a little bit about us, our mission as a church, it's to remove barriers that are keeping people from Jesus. That's why we do what we do, and that's why we created something called Growth Track. And it's happening at every campus after every service today. And what it is, it's a tool, it's a class that hopefully when you come in here, it helps you get connected to other people and it helps you grow closer to Jesus as well. So stop in there before you roll out today. Once again, that's Growth Track. Uh, but as far as today goes, today we're continuing in our series, Summer in the Psalms. And what we've been doing in this series is looking at this really unique book of the Bible called Psalms. And what makes the psalm so unique is that most of the Bible, when you look at it, it's written from the vantage point of God to us, right? Maybe that's what you expected. It's God saying, hey, to have the best life possible, to live life to the full, do these things and don't do these things. It's God making promises and making himself known in a way that completely shapes us. That's most of the Bible. The psalms are different, though, in the sense of instead of God's words to us, the psalms are actually our words to God. It shows us what it looks like to communicate with the God of this universe, which is pretty wild and actually really helpful. Because if you're anything like me, prayer at times can be hard. And I love the quote that Brockett used last week from Eugene Peterson, where he said, faced with the prospect of conversation with a holy God who speaks worlds into, into being, it's not surprising that we have trouble with prayer. Because I mean, what do we say? How do we start this thing off? Where do we even begin? And maybe you can relate to this, but I think a lot of times prayer is so hard for us because it can feel like small talk with someone that we hardly know, right? And small talk is the worst. And I mean, I don't, I'm not good at it and I don't think anyone really enjoys it, but I, I, I mean, I'm really, I'm really bad at it, all right? So like whenever I get into a situation with someone and we're talking and if there's not enough of a relationship there where we can move beyond the surface and talk about stuff that really matters, I panic, I end up saying something weird and looking at my feet until the conversation is over, all right? I remember when I used to work for Indy Parks, part of my job every day was to take the deposit to the bank, right? Take the deposit in, Give it to them, get a receipt, go back. Seems easy enough until the small talk started, all right? My mind does not have a way to process it. So we go in, I go into the bank, the teller's there, and I do my small talk thing, right? Hey, how are you? Good. You? Good. That's it. And then I take the deposit and I go to slip it under the glass, all right? In this establishment, they had a glass that always separated the people from the employees. I, I wouldn't recommend this vibe if you're going for anything that's hospitable, uh, but that's what they had, all right? So I go to put the money underneath the glass, and as I do, my hand catches the glass, and I grab it, and without even thinking, I just said, wow, this glass is thick. Is it bulletproof? <laughs> now, if you wanna know a question, you should never ask a bank employee while you're inside a bank, it's, is this bulletproof? She looked at me, her eyes got huge. And I realized what I just said, so I'm like panicking, trying, no, no, I try to assure her that I'm not gonna rob the bank, which I'm pretty sure just made her think that I really wanted to rob this bank. And I remember just putting my head down, staring at my feet, counting the seconds until the transaction was over and I could be on my way. 
But can you relate to that? When it comes to your prayer life with God, sometimes when we go to God, we don't really know what to say. We don't want it to move beyond the surface. So it's just a matter of time. Once we get past the pleasantries, that we're just staring at our feet, counting the seconds until it's done and we can be on our way. That's what I love so much about the Psalms is that they give us the words to say. They give us a vocabulary to use that when we go to prayer, they help us to move beyond the surface, to have a real and intimate relationship with God. Like that's what the Psalms are all about. And that's what we're gonna be looking at today is how do we get past that point? How do we get past that awkward thing and really get uh, beneath the surface and start talking about stuff that matters? So if you have a Bible, where we're gonna be today is Psalm 61. If you have one, you can go ahead and flip or scroll there. If not, don't worry about it. Everything I read will be on the screens behind me. But take a look at this, Psalm 61. It says, oh God, listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the towering rock of safety, for you are my safe refuge, a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. So we see right away that the psalmist here, the author, he's got a real relationship with God. It says that he's crying out, that when his heart is overwhelmed, he's crying out to God. And this is some common ground for all of us. No matter if you're here today and you believe in Jesus or not, we would say that we know what it's like to be overwhelmed. We find our spot, our, ourselves in that spot pretty frequently. We get overwhelmed and when we do, our heart leads us somewhere. And this is gonna be something that we, we talk about a lot today that we work through this question, but it's also gonna be a question that we look at this week in groups. And if you subscribe to Daily Bible Reading, the question is gonna find its way here. But this is where everything is gonna, is gonna start today. It's, it's with this question. When your heart is overwhelmed, where does it lead you? When your heart is overwhelmed, where does it lead you? Because the picture we get here of, of being overwhelmed, uh, it's almost like uh, being faint. It's you're brought to this spot where you're faint, where, where you're weak, and you need something to come in and take away this feeling. And we know about being overwhelmed. I was looking, there was a study by Barna that they just put out, and it said over 50% of all men and women said, they raised their hand and said, yes, I have been overwhelmed in the past 30 days. In the past month alone, over 50% of the population said, yes, I have either been physically or mentally overwhelmed. And that's where we are. In our world, they spin faster, and, and, and so we become more overwhelmed to a degree we've never been before, and our heart leads us somewhere. It leads us somewhere to take away that feeling of being overwhelmed. So that's what I just wanna ask. When, you're, when you feel overwhelmed, where does it lead you? A lot of us, Whenever we're overwhelmed, we look for the opposite reaction. So instead of being overwhelmed, we want to be numb, right? We wanna be numb to the thing that's creating everything that's making us overwhelmed. That's why a lot of us fall to things like just a drink that becomes two or three. Our days are so overwhelming that we just wanna get home and if we can just have a drink or two and be numb to it. Or maybe it's drugs. It might be something as simple and what seems to be as harmless as Netflix or just binge watching TV that you just barely make it through, unlock your door, get into your house, and you just stare at a screen for four hours until you pass out because you just want to escape. 
And there's something else that's just popping up at a rate that, that we've never seen before, and it's with self-harm. It's when people get so overwhelmed that they want to escape one feeling, so they exchange it for another. And they escape being overwhelmed or are being numb for physical pain. And even if it just lasts for a moment, it's still able to take that feeling of way of being overwhelmed. Whether it's healthy or not, we've all found a way to counteract, combat this feeling of being overwhelmed. So what is it for you? And I think with a lot of us, like I said, what we settle for is an escape. That's what we're looking for, just a moment, just, just a second to take us away from this feeling of being overwhelmed. But the problem with looking for an escape when you're feeling overwhelmed is that it never ends. Because if you've ever escaped before, do you know what's overwhelming? Escaping. If you've ever had to escape from something, like if you maybe, I don't know, if you've ever cut school before, and as you, as you cut school and you have to escape, some of you are thinking, why would you have to escape from school? We have an open campus. You can just leave whenever you want, go get lunch, come back. No, in my day, you didn't get to just leave whenever you wanted. You had to escape. There was, doors were locked, cameras were positioned. There was an officer out there. Some of you are thinking that sounds like prison. Exactly, they would beat us if we tried to leave. You had to figure this thing out and it never ended. You escaped one problem only to be overwhelmed because once you were out, you still had to deal with the phone call. There was still gonna be a phone call that was coming to your house on the answering machine. What are you gonna do with that? For those of you who don't know, an answering machine. Imagine, <laughs> imagine the voicemail on your phone was shared with everyone in your family. You had to deal with it. So you escape one thing only to escape another. You, you, you step outside of this feeling just for a moment and it's a never ending cycle. And that's where a lot of us are living right now. This cycle of just escaping. Like we feel overwhelmed so we escape, we take a drink. We feel overwhelmed so we eat. We, we feel overwhelmed so we, so we look at that pornography just, just for a minute. We feel overwhelmed and we escape by hurting ourselves. But the thing is, in this route of escaping, you never find peace. You never find security. You never really find a clear solution to being overwhelmed. You just barely hang on to fight another day and it just wears you down more and more. Can you relate to that? I know I can. Been in cycles of that where it just feels like we're barely getting by. But the incredible thing that what we see in the Psalms is that there is a solution that there's something so much better than just making it. There's so much better than escaping. That's what it says in, in Psalm 61 here. It says, no, no, lead me to the towering rock of safety, for you are my safe refuge, a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. Right, this is what we're all looking for. Deep down, we wanna be safe. We wanna be protected. We wanna know that there's a place that exists where even our enemies can't reach us, a life where we're not constantly escaping or looking over our shoulder, living and dying by the highs and the lows that come from escaping. And the good news is that because of Jesus, we have a place like this. Because of Jesus, we don't have to run these escape routes and find ways out, but no, no, we have somewhere where we can go. We have a fortress. We have a sanctuary that we can look to. And that's the picture that we get here, um, when you're looking at this, it's so much more than an escape, it's a home, it's a refuge, there's something strong here that even when you're overwhelmed, you can find shelter in God. And that's what it shows, it's, it gives us just a description of what that could even look like. 
Look at this in verse four. He says, let me live forever in your sanctuary, safe beneath the shelter of your wings. Like here's that word again, it, it's safe. And, and the picture that you get here, of what the psalmist uses of being safe beneath the wings of God, it, you get this picture of almost like a mother bird protecting her babies. And if you've ever seen this, you know that mother birds are some of the most protective beings on the planet. They will do anything, they will give their lives to make sure their kids are protected. So that's what God is saying here. That's what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, bring me inside your wings. Like this is my best wing right here, all right? I know you gotta use your imagination. But God is saying that through the psalmist that we can come in here and we can find refuge, we can find safety underneath these wings. Psalm 91 continues with this imagery and it says, he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Like this is the place to be. Can you imagine that the God of this universe is offering refuge? The God of this universe is saying, no, no, you don't have to run, you don't have to escape. Let me be your armor. Let my promises, let what I say about you, let my power be the thing that protects you, that you can come and find peace there. Like this is the incredible thing here, when we can find peace and we can rest because you can't build a life while you're escaping, but if we can find this sanctuary, if we can find this protection underneath the wings of God, then everything can begin to change. And maybe you're thinking that sounds great, but how do we get there? How do we get to that spot underneath the wings of God? That's what chapter 62 is all about. Keep reading with me. It says, I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. So here, here it is. It says that Jesus is, that God is our rock and our salvation. This isn't an either or setup. That God wants to be not only our salvation, but he wants to be our rock as well. And I think this is where a lot of the tension comes. This is where a lot of that comes, where we don't really feel like we're being protected underneath the wings of God. It's where we really don't have that much to talk about because if we're being honest, we would say for a lot of us, we would say that Jesus is my salvation, but blank is my rock. We would say that Jesus is my salvation, but blank is my rock, you fill in the blank. And let me explain. We would say that Jesus is my salvation, meaning I've placed my faith in him as my savior. I believe that Jesus has done everything for me. And that because of his finished work on the cross, when I die, I go to heaven. I believe that my salvation is secure. And that is incredible. That takes so much faith to get to a spot, but Jesus wants so much more for us. I love the way Aaron said it a, a little bit back. He said, I refuse to believe in something that only benefits me when I die. That would be the salvation part. But God takes it a step further and says, no, I don't just wanna be your salvation one day. I wanna be your rock. I wanna be the thing that you build your life on. And this is when things begin to change. When we don't just look to God for salvation, we don't just say, hey, God, thank you for that house in heaven one day. But we look and say, no, no, God, thank you for this fortress that you've given me that I can live in and find security and stability here, that you are my rock, Jesus. But for a lot of us, if we're being honest, there's something else that's creeping in there. There's something else that we would say, no, you know, Jesus is my salvation, I believe in him, but this is my rock. 
This is what I'm building my life on. This is the thing that, that functionally is the thing that I'm resting all of my weight on. And chances are, you can connect the dots, it's the thing that's making you feel overwhelmed. It's the thing that's creating the need for an escape, but we don't see it that way. We see it as the thing that's actually providing a little bit of stability more so than anything else we've found. And those rocks, they come in different forms, but some, I mean, it might be money. Money might be a rock for you. Like you believe in Jesus, but you would say, Man, as long as my bank account is doing okay, then I have security, then I have peace. Some of you would say it's, it's a relationship. Some of you would say it's popularity. And by popularity, I mean just your life is built around this idea of my worth comes from what other people think about me. And as long as they think I'm okay, then I'm doing okay. But the problem is all of these things, they just create more and more room for an escape. Because all of these rocks that we tried to build our lives on, unless they're Jesus, they're not strong enough to hold the weight of all of us. They're not strong enough, so it's only a matter of time before these rocks are overwhelming us, rolling on top of us down the hill. But what's your rock? I know for me, one of the biggest struggles that I've had in the past and I continue to have about what my rock is, is money. And it's just what I saw growing up and what I still see today, and I'm tempted to think that if I just had more money, everything would be okay. People that I run into, situations that I, that I would see, I would just think, man, if they just had more money, then they would be okay. Then they could escape these fears. Then they would have more options. Then they would have more freedom. If they just had more money. And I think that's why, I, seriously, I think that's why I love taking an Uber or a Lyft so much because it reminds me of the life that I thought I would have with just a bunch of money, like some famous lawyer or businessman, and I would have some private chauffeur that just drove me away, away from any problems that I have. Seriously, you should see me walk to a Uber. I have more confidence than you've ever seen. Uh, don't even try to talk to me, peasants, because I have a car that is here to take me on my way. Take me away, George. But what is it for you? What is the thing that you're saying, man, if, as long as I have this, then it is my rock? Because don't get me wrong, like money is one of those things, it helps, but maybe more so than anything else, it creates this false sense of security. That's why Psalms, uh, in verse 10, it would go on to say, don't make your living by extortion or put your hope in stealing. And if your wealth increases, here it is, don't make it the center of your life. Don't make it the center. Don't make it the rock because it's not strong enough to hold the weight. There's something so much better. Jesus would actually go on to say that when we build our lives on these things, anything that is not this rock that God offers is like building on sand. And you can build it, but when the storms come, when life hits, when that feeling of being overwhelmed comes over us, everything is going to crumble. And then we rush to put everything back together thinking, no, the problem was we just didn't have enough of it. We just didn't have enough money or we just didn't have enough of this thing that can bring us security. But the truth is there's no amount of it in the world that can provide what we need it to. But Jesus lays it out here. He says, there is something though. There is something, and it's right here. Check Jesus' words. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. 
It's like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on a bedrock. Anyone who listens to my teachings, like this, this is what our whole church model is based on. If you're in a group with us, you know that every week when we get together, it's this. We open God's word and we say, what is God saying to me and how am I going to respond? Because if we can hold on to those things, his teachings, his promises, that's where we get to live under the wings. That's where we get that solid rock where we can build a life on. That's the spot where we can go, where it doesn't matter how hard the storms hit, it doesn't matter the, the rain, we are going to be okay. We can have safety and security. But that gap, that gap in what we look to for salvation and what our rock is, I think that's a lot of times where all of that tension comes from. The gap between we say this is for our salvation, but this functionally is the rock that we have. That's what creates all this tension within our prayer life and our relationship with God. I mean, think about it, maybe you can relate, but when you go to pray, we go to pray and we thank God for salvation. We thank him for all that he's done, but we like to keep God at a safe distance, almost like a bank teller behind the glass. God, you stay in heaven, thank you for salvation. I'm banking on that mansion in heaven one day when I get here, but I got these rocks down here that I can live my life on, and we don't wanna talk about those. So we go to God and we pray and we thank him for salvation, but then it's only a matter of time before we're staring at our feet counting the seconds until the transaction can be done and we can be on our way. Because what happens? When we go to just try to have small talk with God, God never lets it end with just small talk. Think about this. When you go to pray and right after you thank God and you're trying to find the words to say, what comes up? It's those little rocks. Those little rocks that we're trying to build our lives on. And they seem to make their way to the surface, but instead of talking about them, we don't say anything. We get silent. We don't want to share that with God. We don't want to be that vulnerable. But hear me, in those moments, during prayer, when we're talking to God, when those little rocks that we're trying to build our lives on come to the surface, this is some of the most important and powerful work the Spirit of God is doing. So much is happening here that when we're praying, God, the Spirit of God is searching our hearts. And as we're praying, thanking God for salvation, the Spirit of God is working through our hearts, gathering up all these rocks that we're trying to build our lives on and trying to take them to God, say, hey, we need to pray about this. We can't build on this. The way you see money, we can't do anything with this. The way you see relationships, it's too much. We can't do anything with this. Take this to God, take this to God. And in that moment, we have a choice that we can make that we can take these pebbles, these grains of sand that we're trying to build our life on and we can exchange them in that moment. God wants to deal with them, not in a condemning way, but in a way of this beautiful exchange of saying, give me those little rocks, give me those things that you're trying to build your life on and let me give you something that is so much better. Let me give you solid ground that you can stand on. Let me give you real protection. Let me give you real safety. Yes, we can celebrate that. That's what God wants for us. And that's the tension that we have to be able to get through because once he takes our hand in those moments where we're praying and he leads us to high ground, look at where he leads us. Psalm 62 again, it says, I wait quietly before God for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, 
my fortress where I will never be shaken. Can you imagine that? A life that can't be shaken, a life that doesn't have to be rebuilt over and over again, a life outside of the constant chaos of escaping one thing to the next, that's what Jesus offers. Not just salvation one day, not just heaven one day, but he provides a way of life, a security that's backed by the creator of this universe, a foundation that won't move, a rock that won't move. What we have to do is decide this is where we wanna build. This is where we wanna set up camp. We have to stop running. In the fortress that he provides, let's make one thing clear. It is not a fortress in some tropical paradise that the reason it works is because it takes you out away from any storms. No, no, no. It's right there in the middle of it. There's a reason it's a fortress, but it's so strong. John 14 says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also in me because the best the world can offer is an escape. It's temporary. It can't give you more than what happens in a moment. You can escape, but nothing ever really changes. But what Jesus offers is unshakable ground. The storms hit, life crashes, you feel overwhelmed, but you don't have to run because you get to build a life and this is only possible because of Jesus. And he modeled for us what it looks like to do this. Jesus is the son of God, left heaven, came to earth for me and you. He lived a life under the wings of God under his teachings, constantly looking to God and saying, God, what do you want from me? And then he did it perfectly. He took the mission all the way to the end, even to the point when it meant that he would be beaten and he would be sentenced to death. Jesus did all of this for us. He faced the most, the most overwhelming thing that we would ever go to when he went to that cross to die for me and you and for our sins. And look at the words of Jesus when he gets to that cross. It says at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Can we stop and think about this for a second? This is Jesus, the son of God. This is God who was with God always before creation, before time, before the world was created. He had always known refuge. He had always known what it was like to be there with God. But in this moment, he's abandoned. Abandoned so that we would never have to be. Abandoned dying for our sins so that we could live in this kind of protection. So that we could find this kind of shelter underneath the wings of God. He's abandoned for us. And then shortly after that, it says, then Jesus shouted again and he released his spirit. He died. And at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart. In this moment, Jesus died. He gives his life for me and you. And I want us to hear this. The earth shook, rocks broke. Everything that is of the world, everything that we're trying to build under the weight of what Jesus was doing, under the power of everything that he did for us, what it took to make this possible. It says the earth shook, but I want you to hear this too. The earth shook, Jesus didn't. The earth shook, but Jesus didn't. 
proving that we can place our trust in him. We can put our faith in him, not just one day, but he offers a fortress that even when it came down to death, nothing could take us from him. Jesus proved that because three days later, after the rock split and the curtain tore, Jesus rose. And that curtain there, that curtain in the sanctuary, what that did was that symbolized the separation between us and God. A separation that had been created because of our sins, our mess ups, but nonetheless, there was a gap there. But Jesus on the cross removed that curtain and now we have direct access to God. We truly can live under the wings of God. We can find refuge and shelter and protection and safety all because of Jesus. That this is where we get to live. And Jesus said, this is what I want for you. He came and he gave this invitation to everyone and said, believe in me, trust in my teachings. And even though the storms will come and everything will crash against you, you don't have to be overwhelmed because you have a fortress. You're with me. You got a solid rock that you can build, build on, built on the love and blood of Jesus. There's no need to run. Stand right where you are. I love this gift. Look at what Jesus gave us. He said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give, it's a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And man, we just want you to know that if you're here today, you can accept that gift. If you're here today and you came in overwhelmed, if you came in here and as we've been talking, you can just see your mind running to that escape, running to that thing, running to hopefully numb it for just a little bit longer. There's nothing. The world can't offer it. There's no amount of money. There's no high. There's no relationship. There's no person that can alleviate that except Jesus. Jesus said that I will bring this solid rock, that I will lift my hand down from heaven and I will raise you up and give you the high ground. That's what we get to accept in Jesus. And so what we're gonna do now, here in a minute, I'm gonna pray and we're gonna have a moment of reflection. A moment where we can get real with God. It doesn't have to be long, but just in that moment, what's at the surface right now, don't let it stay. Go deep. Get these little rocks that we're trying to build our lives in and take them to God and say, God, I'm ready. I'm tired of running, tired of escaping and watch Jesus, this beautiful exchange where he gives us solid rock, where he meets us right where we are and he provides us protection and safety. Pray with me. God, we thank you. We thank you for the kind of refuge that you offer, the safety that we long for. God, I pray for all of us that are settling for an escape only to wake up the next day more and more overwhelmed. God, I pray today would be the day where your spirit meets us. And God, we move away from the small talk, we move away from trying to keep the rock and the salvation separate, but God, we come to you, rocks in hand, saying we're tired. We don't wanna run, we don't wanna escape, we wanna live in your fortress, in your sanctuary, under your wings. And God, I pray today that we would walk out of here on that high ground that you offer, Jesus. In these moments, meet us right here, Jesus. We love you so much. Thank you for everything that you've done. 
It's in your perfect name that we pray. Amen.